Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. This episode is sponsored by Component One, makers of Widgmo. If you need stunning UI elements or awesome graphs and charts, then go to widgmo.com and check them out. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 78 of the JavaScript Jabber Show. This week on our panel we have Joe Eames. Hello. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. Just want to remind you that I did put up that video, goingroguevideo.com. It basically just outlines the first little while I was freelance and getting laid off and just explain some of the challenges and some of the mistakes I made, some of the things I got right, and I give a bunch of advice to people who are thinking about or going freelance. So if you're curious about it, go check it out. It's about a half hour long, and uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to look at that. Anyway, related to that, we're this week we're going to be talking about working from home. And uh, Joe, you said you've done a bit of this, working from home. Yes, indeed, I have. And uh, I've been a freelancer working from home for the last three years, so I, I think wow. there's plenty to talk about. Three years now. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks. last Friday was my freedom day is when I got laid off. And I didn't celebrate it then, but I do now. Yeah, you mentioned it, but you didn't say like how many years it had been. Oh, I didn't? Yeah, it's been no. three years. Three years, well. Yeah, I've worked at home probably for maybe around three to four years total of my career. That's but awesome. It's been at various jobs, probably three or four different jobs that I've worked at home. And then there's certainly been some jobs where I've worked at home part of the time. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I worked um, the last full-time job I had. I did some work from home. But, uh, yeah, now it's full-time. It's 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 really nice. I really like it. But, uh, yeah, it, it does get tricky sometimes. So Yeah, definitely. So I think my first question for you, Chuck, is about your office and how you arrange your office and your workspace, and what do you do there? Um, my office is one of the bedrooms in my house. Um, we are actually looking at building out. We, we've got what we call the random wall downstairs, and basically it separates one living area from another. And th- the one area is sort of the front room, but it's it's a little bit too narrow to really make a good front room. Mm. And then the other area... Um, we use it as a play area. It was initially a dining room and then, um, we have the TV area in the kitchen. And so that's kind of a great room. It doesn't have high ceilings or anything, but anyway, so right now I'm in a bedroom and, uh, I basically have a cubicle in my office, which is kind of something that people laugh about, but it's, it's a huge desk and it actually does have the wall panels that you would have on a cubicle. And it also uh-huh. has the overhead shelf with the thing that you can pull out and close it up so I can hide a mess in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we also have a roll top desk in here, which we're going to get rid of. So anyway, on my desk, and I, I'll probably have to get links to all this, but I have uh, these Ergotron monitor arms that I've, I've got my monitors mounted on. And then mm-hmm. I have a Mac Pro sitting on my desk. I also have all of my recording equipment on my desk. Um, and then I have like an inbox and stuff that I use for my getting things done process. But yeah, that that's pretty much my desk setup. Nice. Nice. Sounds like you're fairly well organized. Uh, yes and no. It depends on the week. <laughs> How about you? What's your desk setup look like? Uh, so my office is an actual office and it's like got a C-shaped desk with a built-in shelving above it. So, uh, I got double monitors 
uh, for my PC that sits on my desk, and then I've got my MacBook Pro sitting right next to it uh, at a sort of a 90-degree angle. And my office tends to be a little bit more of a mess. Like, my office at work, whenever I'm working away from the office, I always keep it, like, nearly pristine. I'm, const- I'm like, cleaning it once a week, wiping everything down. But here at home, it tends to feel like I just, I don't know if I just don't spend the time or what, but it tends to be a lot. Yeah, I, I have the same problem. What I found is that uh, since I work in here all the time now, when I come in here to clean it up, I always get distracted by the things I'm working on. Right. And so I, I never quite get it all the way clean. But, right. uh, yeah, I, I definitely see that. Uh, what kind of chair are you sitting in? So every maybe two years, I go down to Office Max and try to spend right around $120 on a chair. Mm-hmm. And so I don't have any, it's not a particular kind or brand of chair. If I probably got underneath it, I'd probably see, but I just look for one that's got good ergonomic controls, but still sits in like the $120 range. Yeah. My, my chair is the Herman Miller Aeron. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got it off of Amazon. I also got the headrest for it. But the Aeron costs in the neighborhood of $900. Oh, what do you spend on it? About $900. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it comes with like a 20-year warranty. Mm-hmm. And if anything happens to it within the first 12 years, they'll just replace the chair if they can't send somebody out to fix it. And they will send somebody out to fix it as part of the, the deal. And the headrest is nice because since my monitors are actually about four inches off of my desk, I, I can actually lean back in the chair a little bit and still have my um, have things lined up where they should be ergonomically with the top of my monitor. And, and that's really nice. I'm also looking at getting a, a standing desk. I, I actually found uh, it was a Lifehacker article, I think. I'll find it. But uh, it's for a standing desk. And then it costs like 25 bucks for all the parts. It's made mm-hmm. out of Ikea parts. And uh, I'm, I'm looking at putting that together and then splitting my time between sitting and standing because I spend all of my time in this chair. It's a comfortable chair. It has full ergonomic control. I can set it up however I want, and it's really nice. But uh, it, it definitely would be nice to spend some of the time standing. Yeah, if I spent $900 on a chair, I'd live in that thing. <laughs> I'd sell my house. Yeah, it is a pretty nice chair. The thing is, is I'm, I'm, I'm in here all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And I really don't have any prospects of, you know, going back to a full-time job. And so I figured since I'm spending so much time in it, I may as well get something that's comfortable and supports my back and does all the things that I need it to do. Well, I, I believe in that too, but boy, that's some serious scratch to spend on a chair. I mean, is it nine times more comfortable than the $120 chair I bought? That's my question. It'll last nine times longer. How's that? Yeah, but I can't amortize that cost this, this month. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, and I'm not going to save up for 20 years to buy that chair. <laughs> That's true. I, I, I really like it. I've been very happy with it. I think it's worth the money. Um, I don't have as much back pain as I did. So, I mm. mean, there's something there's something to that right there, just the yeah. quality of life. And yeah. the other problem was is that in the – because my wife got me the $100 Office Max chair, and it broke within a year. And mm. and that was one issue. The other issue that I had with it was that, um, and, and I don't know if it's the way that I sat in it or what, but sometimes it has have circulation issues with my legs, and I haven't had that with this chair. So. Oh, well, that's nice. That's totally worth the money if you're having those kinds of issues. 
Yeah, that's for sure. It was just when I was sitting in that chair, and I don't I don't know what it was or why. The other issue I, ha- I had with it was that it would creak, and so when I'd move around while recording a podcast, go. Eah! Yeah, yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> so uh, yeah, there was definitely that issue as well. But. Yeah, that doesn't work at all. You can hear my door. My door creaks. Uh huh. And that's so I got that going on for noise in my office. Other than that, my office. This this chair is actually quiet, but since I'm recording all the time as an author, uh-huh. I'm just doing video courses. So yeah, I noise makes a big difference to me and is really important. Yeah, yeah, it's the same here, and I'm gonna start building courses not for Plural Sight, just for my own listeners. But yeah, it's it, it does make a difference. Are those are there's is there gonna be a discount code for panelists on the uh, podcasts for those uh, for those lessons? Probably. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it all works out. I'm still working out some of the details. Um, I did announce on the Going Rogue videos that I was going to be making um, making some videos on going freelance and running a freelance business. So, right things like finding clients and you know probably do one on working from home and you know kind of staying organized, life work life balance, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So, what about office mates? Does your wife does she do any work in your office? Uh, only when she needs to print something. Okay. So uh, that's not really been an issue. I have thought about like taking on an intern or somebody, but yeah, I don't know. I think it'd be weird to have them come work at my house. Right. Well, I have an office mate. My wife, uh, she's a coordinator. She places exchange students. And so she does a lot of office work, Uh phone calls and emails and that sort of stuff. So I actually have an office mate. So dealing with that's definitely sometimes a challenge to try to figure out how we can coordinate, especially since I'm recording sometimes, so I need to be quiet. And sometimes it's just like white noise. Although I just tend to throw on my headphones while I work anyway, uh, which I would do whether I was in a crowded office or not. Do you listen to music while you're working? It's kind of funny. Um, most of the time I actually listen to podcasts and I've had several people go, why you listen to podcasts while you program? And yes, I do. I really enjoy podcasts and I can usually pick up what I want out of them while I listen to them. So mm-hmm. anyway, that that's what I do. If I really just need to get into the groove and don't want to be distracted by anything, then I'll turn off the podcast and turn on some music. And I've got a bunch of classical music. I've got some country country music and some uh, some techno music, and it just depends on what I'm in the mood for. Right. Yeah, I remember us talking about, about that, the fact that you're really weird because you listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. So... But I do, I listen to music. I actually have one other piece in my office that I think is definitely noteworthy. Uh-huh. And that's my chihuahua. Okay. He sits on my lap the majority of the time while I'm working. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. He's, you know, he's a tiny little dog, and he's just a really spoiled brat. So if I'm in here working and he knows it, he'll come down and just demand to be let up on my lap. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So he sits here probably 80% of the time that I work. Yeah. I've also got a little footrest under my desk, so I put my feet up on that. And by I a, a foot I by a footrest I mean like a full height ottoman. Right. Oh, okay. I had a workmate who actually bought a f- a footrest online. It was bought it off Amazon. It was like 60 bucks or something. And it was it looked like a like a, a cylinder that was cut in half. Huh. And it was like a foam made out of foam and had these rubberized grips on it and stuff. So he had a real footrest. I actually have a footrest too. I just bought a little uh, cheap plastic, basically step that you might use to. It's only like six inches high or eight inches high. Uh huh. 
Yeah, over, I think, Walmart. Just a little plastic, uh, kind of a stool, a stepping stool type of thing. Yeah. And so I use that for a footrest. Yeah, that makes sense. The one I have, it collapses. It's faux leather. It's actually kind of, kind of really dirty because I wear, I wear sandals or shoes because my feet get cold in here. And so I put my feet with my shoes up on it and stuff, but it's been really nice and I can actually uh, hide stuff in it. So, huh. Well, that's good. Yeah. And those things, I think I've been comfortable. I'm in a comfortable position. Obviously, this is the same whether you're working in an office at, uh, away from home or working in an office at home. And when you're working at home, there's nobody buying this stuff for you, right? Right. So it's important to, to do things. And so I guess between you and I, we can cover the range. I'm doing everything on a budget. <laughs> yeah. And see, I've been doing this for, uh, like I said, for three years. So I, I tend to invest in like one major piece every so mm-hmm. often. So this desk, it's an L shaped desk, incidentally. Um, and, uh, it, you know, I, I don't know what it cost my wife a couple hundred dollars. I think she got it for my birthday or something, but yeah, like the chair, I got the chair cause I just couldn't, I couldn't take the cheap chairs anymore. It just was, it was, it was painful. I wasn't comfortable and it just, it just made a big difference for me. Right. Um, and so yeah, every so often I'll invest in something big like that. But now in my, in my last house where I didn't have a built in desk, so mm-hmm. I actually bought a, a desk and I went out and spent a lot of money and bought a really nice con- configurable desk with, I bought like three pieces. It was L shape and I must, I probably spent seven or eight hundred dollars on that. Yep. And it was really nice. I ended up selling it to a company that I worked for because we didn't have enough desk space and we were on like plastic tables. So I brought it in and just used it myself. And then when I quit, they purchased it from me. Oh, that makes sense. So, but I, cause I didn't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. That was one thing I spent good money on, but I just, um, maybe I'm just too cheap. It, it really depends. I mean, if the payoff is worth it, then it makes sense. And so for me, the chair was worth it, you know, cause it, it really made sense. It, it solved a lot of problems for me. Right. Um, so what, what about hours? What do you do about managing your hours, your time in the office versus your time away from the office and work life balance? What do you do there? So I'm, I'm not always good at this. It just depends on how much I have going on. I have to say that I've, I've managed a couple of major things out of my life so that I have more time. The, the thing that's most important to me about, about the time management is that I'm doing, I'm doing the freelancing for a couple of reasons. One mm-hmm. is, is because uh, I'm just not convinced that I can find a job that I'd be happier in. Um, but the other reason is, is because I really want to spend this time with my kids. Mm-hmm. And my wife. And so if my kids or my wife have something going on, I'm not in here, you know, and, and that's nice. So sometimes I feel like driving the kids to school. I just drive them to school. If, you know, if something's going on and I want to pick them up and take them to lunch, I'll pick them up and take them to lunch. And so, uh, generally though, I try and work from like eight to five, but you know, that can be punctuated by anything really. I do set some boundaries, so I close my office door, I let my wife know that I'm working, and so most of the time she and the kids won't bother me if I'm in here with the door shut, mm-hmm. and so I do have some boundaries that way, but if she needs my help with anything, my wife will just let me know, and I'll just head down and, and take care of it. And so it's it's really kind of nice that way. The other thing is is that uh, if I do have a major project, and I do have one right now that I'm working on for the business, like a course or... I don't know, you know, some app that I'm trying to get released or something like that. A lot of times I'll actually get done at five. 
I'll go downstairs and spend time with the family. And then once the kids are in bed and my wife is doing something else, then I'll come back up here and work. Mm -hmm. And so that, that works out pretty nicely a lot of the times. And so, you know, I'll put in another three or four hours before I go to bed, but I I don't do that every night. I just do that when I feel like it. And, you know, I I really try and make sure that my wife knows that I I value the time with her and make sure that that works. So it is kind of tricky sometimes to manage the interruptions, especially since my kids are really young. My oldest is seven and my youngest is two, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, it works out for the most part. I have had to start locking the door to my office because my two year old would come in he'd be confused when I'd kick him out and not play with him. Uh-huh. And so, uh, you know, I, I lock the door. I have one of those doorknob covers that you put on it. The kids, the kids can't open it and stuff like that. And I also have a plastic child gate that goes mm-hmm. on the top of the stairs. And so whenever I'm recording now, my wife says, don't forget to put up the gate. Mm-hmm. And it's so that the kids don't come up here and start yelling and screaming. Cause you can hear them in the next room. Right. So that, that's kind of the way that I manage that. I try and get about 20 to 25 billable hours in every week with my clients. And then obviously I have the podcasts and then any other projects I'm working on. Mm-hmm. So hours and work-life balance, that's, that's kind of how I manage that. Right. How about for you? Well, since I just started, you know, it's been a challenge. All my previous experience has been working for a company from home. I don't think I was doing any f- freelance. I- I've done certainly plenty of freelance on the side. And that would be, I'd come home from work, have some freelance job. And so whenever, like you said, kids are in bed, wife was busy, I'd come down and spend an hour to three hours doing some work uh, freelance. And that was pretty easy to manage and not have it become uh, overwhelming. Occasionally, there'd be some freelance that work that I would start occupying me and I'd have troubles drawing the lines. But when I had a job, when I was just working for a company from home, then I'd I generally found it fairly easy, you know, as long as I got up on time, got in and sat down, you know, by eight, took an hour lunch and then five o'clock came around. I didn't have too much problem getting up and going, leaving the office and kind of being back involved in my family. Mm -hmm. Usually at the same time, I was probably doing side work. So I'd still end up in the evenings coming back downstairs and doing something else. Right. But it was, it was pretty nice to be able to say, oh, go have lunch uh, with one of my kids in the middle of the day, or if I needed to go run an errand for my family, I could do that and then just, you know, take that time and tag it back on. I didn't have too many problems with that. Being an author is a little bit different. Now I'm having a harder time cutting off my hours on time and then spending time with my family. So still trying to figure that that part out because being an author, it's all piece rate. I only get paid for what I get done. Whereas when you're an employee, if you're sitting at your desk for eight hours and you know, doing work type stuff, then you get paid. Even if you're not, you know, you have one unproductive day, you still get paid the same as a day that you're very productive, right? Yeah, it's it's similar with the freelancers, right? I mean, I if I bill per hour, mm-hmm. then, you know, if I'm sitting here trying to work on it, and even if I'm not getting a lot done, you know, I can usually bill the hour. Sometimes right. I discount the hour, but I can still bill at least part of it. Right, as long as it's justifiable, you know, you're not screwing your client. Yeah. Yeah. But if you're obviously, if you're doing something and you feel like, okay, I shouldn't be billing my client for this or start reading some email that, that I think is actually harder for me when I'm working at home. Mm-hmm. If I start doing some personal things like reading email, then I have a harder time considering that work time. Whereas if I'm at work and I spend, you know, 30 minutes reading email, I don't really sweat it too much. 
Yeah, what, one thing that has really helped with that kind of thing, because I, I tend to get lost in my email box too, is uh, Dan Miller has a product called Rudder of the Day. His his podcast is uh, 48days.net, I think, or 48days.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, what he recommends is that you spend the first hour of your day. So right when you wake up, you start doing this kind of thing where you you listen to something or read something or, you know, do something that uh, kind of sets the tone for the day. Uh-huh. And so for him, what he does is he gets up and he'll actually go walk on his treadmill and listen to an audio book about business or an audio book about something he's interested in, or mm-hmm. he'll go and he'll sit down and he'll read something for an hour. And and that kind of starts things off so that you're a- already been productive for an hour, but it doesn't have to be, you know, like work stuff. It's, it's, it's self-improvement stuff. And so he gets his self-improvement time in and he gets a good start to his day. And I've tried that several times and it's made a big difference every time I've done it. I'm not in the habit of doing it every day yet, but I'm trying to make it a habit because it does make such a huge difference to that. And right. the other thing is, is I, I now do not check my email first thing during the day because uh, it, it'll totally trash an hour. Right. Yeah, that's a, definitely a good tip. I tend to check my email first and then after that I'll go and get to work. But I'm trying to, like I'm doing better about, I'm actually shutting my email tab down in my browser and I turn my phone off so that I can actually be focused and not be distracted. So you said you had worked some for some jobs part-time from home before you went full-time. Is that right? Yeah. What happened was I read for a uh, four hour work week mm-hmm. and uh, there, there are stuff in there that I agree with and stuff in there that I don't agree with. The main thing I disagree with about that book, just as a side note is the fact that I love what I do. And so why would I want to limit it to four hours? <laughs> And so, you know, he, he talks right. a lot about working less and earning more. And I would rather work more and earn what I earn because I, I love what I do. Right. But uh, anyway, so he, one of the things that he talks about is to get time to away from your job, what you do is you start talking to them about um, letting, you, the, letting you work from home a day or two a week. And, and that way you can, you know, get away. And the, the real trick was, was the, I had to convince him that I'd be more productive at home. Mm-hmm. And he gives you some strategies for that. And a, again, like I said, I don't agree with everything he said because it kind of sounded like what you do then is you you obviously you know put in a bunch of your best work initially to get them excited about you working from home and allow you to work more from home. And then eventually you get to the point where you can take time for yourself to do whatever it is that you need to do. And I feel like if I'm collecting a salary, I owe them eight hours a day. <laughs> Right. And so I didn't feel like I could take the time, you know, I I didn't feel like it would buy me any more time except for my commute, of course. But the nice thing was, was that I really did feel more productive at home. And so it made a difference that way. And uh, yeah, so I started working from home. Part of the time that I was working from home, I would just work in my kitchen because I didn't have an office set up yet. But once I started doing the podcasts and really needing the space, then when we moved into this house, I set up an office in this room. Hmm. This has never been anything but my office in this house. Hmm. And yeah, it worked out really nicely. And now I have my own space that I can do my work in. So with your freelance, do you end up working with uh, other people very much? Yeah. Like not just cl- not just the client, but actually like other workers who are contributing to what you're doing. 
Yeah, so the client I'm working for right now, I'm on a team of probably a dozen or so programmers and QA people working on their products. Um, so being at home, what do you do to manage uh, communication and collaboration? So with that, usually the client, if they have a team set up like that, then they have their own mechanisms for doing that. This team and the other team that I've worked on as, as a freelancer, incidentally, I've only done two team projects. Most of the rest of them have been solo projects or projects where if I'm working with a team, it's a team that I actually pulled together and they're subcontracting to me. But anyway, so we use Skype primarily for that. So we'll uh, get on Skype and chat with each other. The last client I did team work with, they actually used GoToMeeting as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously, then you also have your um, project tracking software that you use. Um, this is more along the lines of software, but that's what the show's about. So with the team I'm working with right now, it's Pivotal Tracker. The last team was Jira. Just saying Jira gives me nightmares. Anyway, um, <laughs> apparently you can make it work, and, and I had that explained to me on the iFreak show this week, but... Anyway, so you have those, and uh, the project tracking software is really important for just keeping track of how the project's going. I mean, it's more important when you have remote workers than it is really when you're in the office and you can actually sit down and discuss it, mm-hmm. because it becomes a place where you document stuff for discussions that may have been had online, over email, or in person, and so mm-hmm. everybody needs to know about it, so you have to make sure it goes in there. Usually there's some kind of wiki uh, both this team and the last team are using the Confluence Wiki, which is also written by Atlassian, who wrote Jira. Mm-hmm. It's not my favorite wiki, but wikis are wikis, and so I didn't despise it. And and that's always nice, because then you have a place where all your documentation goes, and you can point new people to it and things like that. Have uh, you ever used uh, Trello? I've looked at it, but I've never actually used it with a team. Mm. But from what I understand, it's sort of eminently configurable. Right. And so you can make it fit whatever process you have because you can make it whatever you want it to be. Right. But yeah, it's it's pretty nice. The last team I worked on, all of those meetings happened over GoToMeeting, and they had an account that would accommodate the entire team. Mm. And uh, I'm trying to think what else we really used to communicate. Uh, I think Skype was the primary thing. On the last project, we actually did pair programming in the cloud. And so we used Tmux and Emacs to do that. Huh. And uh, it, the the machines we logged into were all on Amazon AWS. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, we just log in, connect to the same Tmux session and work, and we'd pair program. So we'd be talking over GoToMeeting or Skype, and uh, that, that seemed to work pretty well. Hmm. But uh, on this team, there isn't a whole lot of pairing going on, but at the same time, everybody's remote, well, almost everybody's remote, and it just it just works out with Skype and everything else. So we just communicate, ask questions, goof around on Skype, that kind of thing. And uh, then we all work on our own machines. They actually sent me a laptop to work on, so I have one of their laptops here. I'm mm-hmm. supposed to be able to connect to the VPN, but the software they sent over to connect to the VPN doesn't work. So I'm still hmm. working that out. I haven't actually been able to get on their Confluence Wiki yet, for example, but... Um, and, and so those are some of the, the issues you run into because you're not in the office where somebody can just, you know, you take your laptop over to them and they fix it. Right. I think those are all mo- all or most of the communication channels that I've used. Gotcha. I've done a fair amount of remote pairing, and I use various programs for that. My favorite by far has been TeamViewer. That has been, of all the ones, I probably used four different ones, and of all of them that I've used, 
maybe even five or six, but of all of them, TeamViewer's definitely been my favorite. And then just making a Skype call. So I've done a fair amount of remote pairing where uh, I had one job for about eight months. Me and another developer, we paired six hours a day remotely. He was in Idaho, I was in Utah. And so of all of them, I've definitely found that TeamViewer is my favorite and it's free, which is really nice, you know, for personal use. I was going to say, it's free for personal use. Um, the only reason I haven't used it is because most of the pairing I do is either for a client or for coaching. Right. And since both both of those are commercial applications of the product, I don't want to violate their uh, their terms of use. So, Right. Yeah, good point. I've used some, uh, some paid products in the past. When I was working with that guy, we used a different product. I don't remember what it was. But since then, I've discovered TeamViewer. So whenever I get on with like a friend to help them out with something, I've used TeamViewer, and it's just always been awesome. Really enjoyed it. So I'd say that that and Trello has been really cool. We've used Trello at a couple of places, and so I've used a little bit. I really like Trello as well for coordination. But, you know, on the other hand... I've done some projects where the communication was just Excel spreadsheets or Google Docs. And as long as you find a process that works for you, you know, you really don't need to have some overly complex tool. Yeah, I, I've I've used some of the other tools like uh I can't even think of them anymore, but there there are some of the more popular agile project tracking software out there and they're they're these huge projects. Um well, Jira is an example of that. So there are a billion moving pieces and, you know, I guess you can configure it to, to act the way you want, but um, because there's so much going on in it, it's hard to use. Mm-hmm. And so version one is another one where it's it's just you look at the screen and you're immediately overwhelmed. And so that's one thing I like about Trello, Pivotal Tracker. I, I've been using Redmine, and Redmine does a, a bunch of stuff, but it's all nicely siloed within the app so that if you're dealing with your projects, you... You deal with your projects and your your uh, issues related to that. If you're dealing with users in the system, you you know you're in a completely different part, and it's all pretty simple. Mm. And I've been using Redmine for my own projects and uh, with uh, the guys that are working for me, and I'm I'm super happy with it. So, mm. and it's written in Rails, and I've actually done some work supporting it. So that's another just nice thing about it is that I can go in and hack on it if I need to. Awesome. So overall, would you say that you find that you're more productive at home than you were in an office? Uh, Generally, yes. One of the big reasons is that uh, when I'm at home, I actually get fewer interruptions than I ever did at the office. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing is, is that every office job, the job that I've had, I may have worked in a room with a door, but I also worked in a room with a whole bunch of other people. Right. And so if one of them turns up his music too loud or is doing something, somebody's having a conversation on, you know, in the same room, all of that stuff, it, it just, it really does distract. And even putting my headphones on didn't always solve it. And so that was one thing that, you know, it may, makes a huge difference for me here is that I can close my door. I can turn off Skype. I can turn off the messages on my computer. Um, I can turn off Twitter and all of that stuff. And, I don't get interrupted. I'm I'm pretty good at ignoring most of that stuff anyway, but honestly, if if I need to just, you know, make it all go away, I can. And then I just shut my door and nobody bothers me and it it works out really well. And that's that is honestly probably 80% of the productivity increase I've gotten here at home. The other thing is is that 
Um, I can set up my own system, and it doesn't matter what anyone thinks because all my clients care about is results, and all anyone else cares about is whether or not I pay them. And so as long as my system is in place and it works, then then I'm in good shape. And you don't always have the flexibility to do that in an office somewhere. Right. Um, I have considered on some occasions when there's a lot going on around here with the family, I've considered that it might be nice to actually have my own office somewhere else. But uh, the inconvenience of having to drive there, for one, and just not being here with the family, it is almost always not worth it. Right. Yeah, I'd say I agree with that. I feel like uh, being in the office, good days, I maybe get in five hours of what they truly are paying me to do, and then three hours of distractions. And of those distractions, a lot of them are actually important. The company really wants those distractions to happen, like somebody needs some help. And so if I help them out, you know, I might save them several hours by me giving up five minutes of my time, right? Uh Uh-huh. So there's definitely things where the, the distractions that your company wants you to have, but then there's plenty of other distractions where something fun is going on, people are having a conversation about something interesting that you know really isn't that productive. And so I would say that good days, I'm putting in five hours, and bad days, I'm putting in between three and four. And when I go home, that probably means that in a, an eight-hour period, on good days, I'm putting in seven hours, and on bad days, I'm putting in six you know, and then the distractions account for the rest of it. So I would definitely say I'm more productive at home than I am in the office. Yeah, I figure that I lose about 50% of my time when I'm in an office. And for example, when I'm when I'm working at home, I have to track my time that I'm working for clients. And I typically get five to six hours in for my clients. Mm-hmm. And so if you figure I worked eight to nine hours and I got five to six hours of work in, you know, I'm I'm getting 75% efficiency here. So I've already right. cl- reclaimed half of the time I lose. And the right. o- the other ha- the other part of the time is typically sitting down and planning something out for some other project. So planning out a course or planning out a project or talking to my subcontractor and making that all happen um because I can't bill that time. So when I'm pairing with my subcontractor, I don't bill that time. He bills it to me. Um mm-hmm. but uh you know, things like that. So it, it's still productive work. It's just not tracked. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so it, it, it's a huge, huge thing. Do you have any tricks for increasing productivity? So making those hours count for more? Yeah. You know, one of the things that I started doing while authoring was actually tracking my time down to the minute, not by what I do, like mm-hmm. breaking it out by what I do, but actually every time I get up for any other reason or start responding to email, I track that. And whether or not that's using a timer or just writing down the times, I track that. And it's been really eye-opening to me as to how, you know, in an eight-hour period, how hard it is to actually put in eight hours. Like, you know, it's impossible to put in eight hours. Even if you got to get up and go use the restroom, that's time away from what you're actually doing, right? Uh-huh. So I started tracking that, and it, it immediately caused me to start shutting off my email, start making better, clearer expectations with my family about, okay, I'm at work right now, you can't can't interrupt me until this time frame. And so that actually caused me to have a huge increase in productivity was just actually tracking the actual time that I'm really, truly working. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. I've done that a couple of times in the past. It usually lasts for a few weeks, maybe a month. And it's always interesting. Two things happen for me. One is, is that 
I, I see that and I see where I can improve. And so I start to improve. But the other thing I found is that just tracking that time and realizing that I'm not getting as much in as I wanted, mm-hmm. um, it, it tends to cause an uptick almost immediately when I start tracking it. Right. Yeah. And you probably not something you needed to continue doing on long term, but just doing it for a while and then seeing what it actually costs you to like, like leaving my G- my Gmail tab open in, in my browser that right there costs me an hour a day. Uh-huh. So if I turn that off and then just open it up once at noon and once at five o'clock and respond to any emails that I've gotten, yep. you know, that that's so much better. Keeping Taking my phone and not necessarily turning it off, but setting it so that the only time it buzzes is when I get a text message. Uh-huh. So that way I know that if it's a text message, you know, it's a message from a wife or a friend who needs something. So... I can just quickly check it, and if I have to deal with it, I deal with it. If not, I go back, but I don't get bothered by emails and things like that. So if you had, if you did have to, you know, if your email was an important part of your communication, then most email systems are going to allow you to set up filters to say, all right, only these things count as work email, so I, I want to be notified about these, and everything else is not. I don't want to be notified about them. You could set something up, but it's those personal emails, the ones that, oh, it'll only take me a quick minute to respond to a quick question from a friend about something. You know, right now I'm organizing a conference, so I get emails about that. Those things just eat up so much time if you let them eat up time here and there, rather than just once sitting down and saying, all right, I got five emails that I need to respond to, and 20 I can archive or delete. Yeah. So do you have any tools for helping manage your email load? Uh, no, turning. I'm just turning it off because I only get it's pretty much just personal personal emails uh, or things that are unrelated to what I'm actually getting paid for. Mm-hmm. I would say there's one other thing that really um, helps out, and that is communicating clearly with your family or the, whoever you cohabitate with, uh-huh. and and you know setting down. All right, I'm working from here till now, and then I've got time, and then I'm working again, and um, just setting up clear expectations right there. I think also could that because that they'll feel a lot more they'll be more likely to honor that than a coworker will when you're in an office and a coworker has wants to interrupt you they they feel like they're interrupting you for a business purpose right? right whereas your family when they interrupt you they know that they're interrupting you for personal reasons so if you set down clear expectations as to what interruptions are okay and what interruptions can wait and what times you're working and then also clearly saying all right and I'm done at this time so now you get my time at, at this time and those clear communication I think really make a big difference as well when you're working at home. Yeah, that it that is definitely the case here too. I don't have a clear end time most of the time for my work, so I'll just come downstairs sometime between five and six. But uh, if my wife interrupts me enough times, a lot of times I'll look at her and just say, "All right, well, I've 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 had to take enough time out of my work schedule today to where I now need to work tonight." Right, and uh, so she's usually pretty aware of that and you know, understands that if, if she takes up more than about a half hour of my time during the day, I'm going to have to make it up that night one way or the right. other. And so, you know, she does call me down for emergencies. Sometimes she calls me down for something fun and, you know, and that's fine, but yeah, you know, setting those boundaries and then helping them understand the trade-offs, it, it really does make a big difference. Yeah, for sure. Do you, do you have some kind of like task management that you use to, uh, to keep track of what you're doing? Excel. Or, well, uh, Google Spreadsheets. It's definitely the Google uh, Spreadsheets, whether that's Excel or Google Spreadsheets, Uh are absolutely by far the most versatile business tool 
business software that's ever, and project management software that's ever been invented. There's just no doubt about it. Yeah. There's plenty of other things that are really good, but uh, even the really great ones like Trello, for straightforward stuff, you just can't beat a spreadsheet. Yeah, it really depends on what it is and what you're trying to do with it, but I've, I've found that a spreadsheet is pretty handy. My to-do app is actually, of choice, is uh, OmniFocus. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to kind of explain my whole system. Um, first of all, I, I read Getting Things Done by David Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, excellent book if you want to kind of get organized. And by organized, I mean like really, really organized. <laughs> I was a total mess beforehand. So I've got these uh, boxes. They're like the mailboxes that you see on people's desks in offices. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, I get mail to my house for my business. And so I'll actually take that. I just throw it in the inbox and then I make sure I process that regularly. Um, and by process, mm-hmm. usually what that means is I'll... I'll whip out my scanner. I have a ScanSnap uh, i1300S or S1300i. I always get those mixed up. Um, but it's a little portable scanner. It's probably like two inches by four inches by about twelve inches, and it's or ten inches, and it's ten inches so you can fit a piece of paper in it. Mm-hmm. And it feeds the paper through. And so I'll take the stuff from the mail and I'll actually um, scan it into the scanner. And the scanner came with software that scans it right into Evernote. And so it goes into my Evernote inbox. And then I can process that. So it's if it's something I just need to keep track of, then I just move it over. I'm done with it. If it's a bill or something, then I can actually go and pay the bill and then move it into, you know, uh, processed or filed or whatever. If it's something else, then I put, put it into Evernote. I also keep uh, usually outlines of uh, blog post ideas, just things like that. Blog post ideas. In fact, I can even pull it up. I've got project ideas. I've got all, all the information for my clients. So if they sent me a PDF or anything, I throw it in there. Um, I get business cards from conferences. I put them in there, and then I try and keep up with those folks. But anyway, so that all goes in there. And then between Evernote and OmniFocus, I've got my list of things I need to do. And in Evernote, I've got all of the resources for that. So I know that the stuff is in Evernote, so all I have to do is look at the two. I also have a pretty long to-read to list, and so if I have something that I want to read, then I, I put it into Evernote, and I put it into the to-read. I'm actually thinking about uh, using the max print functionality, because you can print to PDF, to actually print um, blog posts and websites that I want to read to PDF, and then moving them into Evernote. Hmm. Um, but, but then everything's there. And then I have Evernote and OmniFocus on my phone, and uh, I use the OmniFocus contexts for things like when I'm in the car or when I'm waiting for something. And so uh, I have the contacts set up there for that. And if I'm sitting around waiting for something, then it'll list like phone calls or uh, different things that I can do while I'm, I'm just, you know, killing time somewhere where I'm not in front of my computer. And so that, that all works out to just get stuff done and, and help me kind of process through all of the stuff that comes in and basically get it to one or two places so that I can just deal with it there. And oh. It sounds kind of complicated, but trust me, it so simplifies my life. <laughs> really? Yes. Cause everything comes in. So, so everything comes in from all these different places. Uh, the only other part of my, um, inbox and, and processing system is my email. Cause obviously I have to handle that differently. But again, I've got an inbox, and then it just manages all that. I, I use SaneBox, and so it filters out a lot of the stuff that I don't need to pay attention to, and I can just deal with the the rest of it. So, hmm. But uh, anyway, so I've kind of got this process. 
Um, if you're interested in getting things done, we actually did a book club book on uh, getting things done with uh, David Allen. And you can check that out on the Freelancer Show. I'll put a link to that, too. Awesome. I'm trying to look around at what else I have in here. I have my podcasting set up, but I did a video on that. And so if people want to see what I'm using, I'll, I'll put a link to that, too. Um, I've got an HP OfficeJet printer in here. I've got all my books in here. I tend to prefer ebooks these days. Just put them on my Kindle. And uh, if I get a new ebook on my computer as opposed to through the uh, Amazon way of getting them, then I put them into Dropbox. And then I use a program called Hazel, and uh, it actually processes all the stuff. And so uh, it, it puts the ebooks onto my Kindle when it's plugged in and stuff like that. Hmm. You really got it well organized. That's one thing that I've really found about working from home and running a business is that if you can make a lot of this stuff into systems, then you don't even have to think about it. And uh, that's usually one of the, the major hangups is, I got this bill. What do I do? Do I pay it now? Do I have time to pay it now? Do I pay it later? Blah, blah, blah. Well, instead, I got this bill. I'm going to toss it in the inbox. And then when I get around to uh, to processing the inbox, then I go through it. And it's it's a it's a no-brainer. I got a bill. I'm going to scan it into my computer and put it into my to-do list. And then when I have a few minutes, then I pay it. And so stuff like that. It, it, it You just have a system. So, you know, mm-hmm. you, you review your to-dos every week. And it's like, oh, well, that would just take me a couple of minutes to take care of, so I'm just going to do it now, and then you pay the bill. Right. Or well, I need to schedule some time. So then part that part of the process is I need to schedule the time to do this, so I go look at my calendar, and I put a time into my calendar and make an appointment to do it. Right. So there's a lot there. A lot of it came out of getting things done. I can't recommend that book highly enough. But, yeah, definitely worth looking at. So. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking I'm trying to figure out what what kind of uh computing equipment do you have in your office? Well, I got a PC and a MacBook Pro is primarily what I use. So, and I do most of my authoring on the PC and then the MacBook Pro I use just for demos for when I'm out and about, when I'm speaking, that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. So, not much. But everything that I need to get my job done. Right. What kind of networking equipment do you have? I've got, um, it's a pretty nice wireless router. I spent like $90 on it or something like that. Although my PC is all, is hardwired in. So I do use the, it has like a four port, uh, switch on it as well. And then I, I schedule, I'm with, uh, the cable company for internet because they have a lot more bandwidth and a really low latency. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a, uh, airport. I think it's the airport express. And yeah, it, it's like an eighty dollar router. the The thing is, is I found that if you get like the twenty, thirty, forty dollar router, they just after about six months to a year, they're just I don't know what changes, but they just don't have the same quality of throughput and what have you. Right, right. And so I, I tend to go with that. The nice thing about the Airport Express is that it has a couple of USB hubs on it or USB ports on it. Mm-hmm. So I have a, a hard drive plugged into it and. Uh, my printer could plug into it if it didn't connect to it wirelessly. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that is a super nice thing for me is that, you know, then I can just store things up on my uh, hard drive on the network. That's awesome. That's a really nice uh, wireless hub. I'd like that capability to be able to throw a remote uh, hard drive into my into my wireless device and get a network drive that way. Yep. And then I have a Mac Pro, like the big cheese grater one. 
I actually bought that from my uh, previous employer. And I also got, um, I've got these uh, 21 inch monitors that are up on the Ergotrons that I, I told you about already. Mm-hmm. And then I have a Mac Mini sitting on top of that that I, I use for business stuff. And I'm going to move all of my, uh, telecommunications over to, to that. So these Skype calls will start coming through that. And then all of the communication I do with my clients and stuff will also go through that. And then I can do all my computing on this machine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Anyway, just just being able to customize my setup to my own needs and not have to go and beg budget off of my boss, it, I have to say that's a pretty nice thing too. <laughs> Are there any other aspects? Do you have plants in your office or anything? I've got some house plants here. Uh, no, I have a shelf where I keep a, a sundry amount of uh, geeky gifts, uh, Yoda bobblehead and some things like that. Oh, nice. Um I keep a couple of pictures around as well, but my office doesn't actually have space. Like I keep a lot of entertainment things nearby in my office. So I've got a TV just off to the left of my monitors, DVD players and shelving. So I don't really have much space for decorative things. Uh huh. Yeah. So I've got three house plants in here. One other thing I didn't talk about that's a productivity tool is I have a whiteboard in my office. Now, cool. I didn't go buy a whiteboard whiteboard because those are like a hundred and something bucks. If you go get shower board at uh, Home Depot, um, it works just as well. It doesn't erase quite as cleanly. You have to put a little bit of elbow grease behind it, but it, it comes off and it's not too awful. But anyway, that, that's one thing that's uh, been really nice. So if I need to brainstorm and I don't ref- really feel like sitting at my computer and, you know, using mind mapping software or whatever, I'll just get up and I'll just start writing on the whiteboard. And it's a low impedance way to get these ideas out of my head. So I, I really like that. Awesome. Yeah. One other thing I really like about this office is that it's got a nice big window in it. And when I get rid of this roll top desk, I'm actually going to move my desk to the other corner because I have the full height wall across the window right now. And I really wish that I had the half height wall across the window so that I could actually see out of it while I'm working and get more light in here. So that's right. Right. Yeah, because the 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 natural light is really kind of a big deal for me. So I hear you. Yeah, I like that too. I enjoy the window in my office, even though I keep the blinds mostly shut. I still get all this natural light from it that I really like. Yep. And as far as like, sometimes I have to do stuff on Windows, and I just set up one of my Macs dual boot to Windows, so I just use Boot Camp. Right. Do you use a a mobile device or a tablet or something to help you with your work? Nope. Yeah, I, I've i tried, and I, I really don't. The only thing I use them for is to play the podcasts and music. Right. All right, so any other uh, recommendations to people? You know, one thing I do use my tablet for isn't necessarily, like, directly work-related, like I'm not billing when I'm on it, but I watch Pluralsight videos on my tablet. Uh-huh. And so I'll take that whenever I, I go out somewhere. I'll take my tablet and my headphones. If I get some downtime... You know, they've got a nice offline viewer, so I can queue up videos of stuff I want to learn. And much like, you know, on your phone, taking some downtime and reading an article, but obviously, us, both of us are screencasters. We believe in the power of screencasting and the educational value of videos. I just find that those videos are so much better. And even if I'm watching them in short bits, I still prefer that over trying to read an article or something like that. So that was been a, that's been a big tip, the thing that I've done. Yeah, I agree. 
It's nice too because you can pause it and then kind of catch up if you're following along on your own machine. Right. So. Yep. And the nice thing is, is if it's on a third screen like an iPad, then you can you can use your full dev environment the way you normally do because I usually have my dev on one side and like a browser on the other because I'm doing mm-hmm. web dev. Mm-hmm. And so having having my iPad sit in front of me playing the video, I just stop it there and then I can keep working where I'm at. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. Yep. One other thing I want to mention is I have a Bluetooth speaker for my uh, mobile devices. And so that's that's kind of nice, too, because then I don't have to worry about piping it through my um, computer. I can take my phone with me across the room, and it'll keep playing. And uh, it's it's really, really super nice. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Cool. All right. Well, I think we've been uh, talking for most of the time that we usually allot for this. So um, I'll go ahead and wrap this up, and we'll do the picks. Great. Do you have, do you have some picks? Uh, I do. Uh, I've got two picks. They are, they are very geographical picks. I spent the weekend down in Escalante, Utah, which, uh, having lived in Utah and having heard about it, I was surprised at what an amazing place it was. I've never been there before. So, uh, I've got two picks from Escalante, Utah, uh, area, uh, a restaurant called the Hell's Backbone Grill, which sounds like a biker bar, but it's not. It's a really nice restaurant. It's just out in the, and it's out in this little tiny town, like, you know, like a farming community. I don't know. There must be like less than a few hundred residents in this area. And it's just in the middle of kind of a touristy area that isn't super touristy. It doesn't feel like a tourist trap. So you're just driving through and all of a sudden there's this, um, hotel slash, actually it's more like a motel slash restaurant. And it is consistently rated. It's Zagat rated, very highly rated, constantly rated the best, uh, restaurant in Southern Utah. And just um, absolutely amazing food. You go in there and you have the kind of food that you expect to have only at like the finest restaurants. And it was a little pricey, but it was absolutely delicious. And it's named Hell's Backbone is actually a slot canyon there in uh, central southern Utah. And so it's named after that. So that'll be my first pick is the Hell's Backbone Grill. And then my second pick is the, as a hike in, in Escalante, Utah. It's the, a lower calf Creek falls hike. And it is consistently rated one of the top 10 hikes in the nation. So it's a, about a, a three miles in three miles out. There's not much elevation change. So it's not a terribly difficult hike. It's over sandy ground. So it makes it a little bit harder than hiking on hard ground, but you're down inside this Canyon walking along this river and you come up and then you end up in these falls and then hike out. And it's just absolutely beautiful an amazing hike. Some of the coolest scenery, the red rocks on both sides of the canyon, uh, even uh, Indian hiero- hieroglyphs past some. And on our way out, we had a storm roll in, and it started to rain just a little bit, but it was a big thunderstorm. And the way that the thunder echoed off the walls of the canyon while we were in there was just absolutely amazing. So that'll be my second pick is the Lower Calf Creek Falls hike in Escalante, Utah. Nice. There are some Indian writings out by where my wife is from. I'm trying to remember what they call it. It's out in Emory County, and uh, you can hike out to it. It's it's not that far, actually. Um, anyway, I'll, I'll see if I can find a link to that, c- too, because uh, it's, it's really an easy hike. My picks this week are a little bit different. My first pick is uh, ShareMouse, which is uh, an application that allows you to share your keyboard and mouse across multiple machines. 
Um, I used Teleport for a while, um, which is Mac only, and it it worked for a while, and then for some reason it quit working, and I just didn't have the the time or inclination to figure out why. Um, I tried a few things, and they didn't work, so I just gave up. Started using Synergy, which I'd used in the past. Synergy is open source, and it's free, and it'll mm-hmm. allow you to connect to PCs or Macs. And for some reason, it quit, quit working too. Um, ShareMouse works between them. You do have to pay for it, but uh, it's been awesome, and uh, I've, I've really liked it. So if you're looking at sharing keyboard and mouse, then ShareMouse is, is a cool way to go. Another pick that I have, I've been reading these books. I've actually been listening to these books. My wife bought the audio books. She goes to a book club just with the local neighborhood, and they talk about you know different fiction books. And most of these books really aren't books that I'm interested in, but she told me that I'd really like these books, and it turned out she was right. They are the Michael Vay books by Richard Paul Evans. And mm-hmm. um, Michael Vay and uh, a bunch of other teenagers, turns out that they have these uh, powers that center around electricity. And so they can all do different things with electricity. And uh, so it's this adventure that they go through um, with the corporation that's trying to find them and stuff. Anyway, really, really fun books. I'm listening to the third one right now, which is the latest. Um, it's not going to be the last because my wife told me that apparently it doesn't resolve all of the plot points. So, but anyway, they're, they're pretty good. And uh, the narrators are really, really good. The The narrator on the first two isn't someone you would recognize, but the the narrator on the third book is actually Kirby Hayborn. Mm-hmm. So, um, and he's been in a few movies and stuff. So, anyway, um, fun books, and I highly recommend them. And, uh, yeah, the rest of my picks are all the stuff we talked about in the show. So, go ahead and check those out. And, uh, yeah, we'll wrap this up. I do want to mention that we just picked up a silver sponsor, and they get mentioned at the end of the show. And our silver sponsor is uh, Reg Braithwaite, and he is sponsoring JavaScript Allongé. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go check it out. And uh, you can also go and uh, buy his book, which is a terrific book. Yeah, absolutely amazing book. That was such a great book. And with that, we'll wrap up. We'll catch you all next week.